This is Ira from Ira on Sports. We're talking to Dan Wetzel, the Yahoo Sports national columnist and the author of these epic athletes books, which I love and which are great for young adults. Just tremendous. Uh, He's wrote one on Alex Morgan. We had him last time when he had one on Steph Curry, Serena Williams, Tom Brady, Lionel Messi, LeBron James. And his new one out is on Simone Biles. So, Dan, thanks a lot for coming on these uh, to Ira on Sports. Uh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So we talk about how everyone's stuck at home for a, a while and, and, and kids are looking, you know, there's no sports on TV for me to watch. But this you put these books out that are just great for young adults. I mean, of all ages to read about these superstar athletes. And you present it in such a way that, you know, I, adults can read the books. Young adults can read the book. They're perfect. And I really suggest that that, that the listeners read these with your with children, grandchildren. They're just great books. And and you have this one and you have Patrick Mahone's book coming out and in, in, in soon, you know, after that. So these are just a great number of books to have. Well, I appreciate you saying that and, and, and reading it. And um, I think uh, if your house is like mine with my kids, there's uh, an overabundance of screen time, if you will, uh, especially now. Pretty hard to kind of police it with so little to do. But um, so uh, reading a book uh, isn't always the most popular thing. And, and, and there's certainly some, uh, you know, some kids that just, there aren't that many books for, but um, these are these are easy to read. Um, yet I think uh, with enough info and enough detail to to keep them going, it's it's uh, you know and about about people that they they care about, contemporary stuff, uh, you know, and uh, they're they're current heroes. So um, we found that there's been uh, kind of a surprising, uh, maybe not surprising, but a, a, a good amount of people who just said, "Yeah, my kid doesn't, my son doesn't read a book." He's read these. Um, or he couldn't put the Tom Brady book down, or he really liked the Steph on uh, the Steph Curry book, or something like that. So um, maybe now more than ever, these books uh, these books really work as uh, you try to try to keep sanity in your house. Keep sanity and also keep sports. I mean, it's something to learn more about sports. You can discuss and 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 every is discuss with your children about these athletes and talk about what they read, and you can read the book along with them. But the Simone Biles book is just. I mean, I learned a lot. I mean, I thought you have a sports show and I know that Simone was great and she's this great gymnast, but I, then you read it and you're like, she's arguably maybe the greatest, you know, she put her name up to one of the greatest of all time. I mean, the fact that she's from 2013, 14, 15 and 18 and 19 world champion, 2016 gold medalist. Since 2013, she's been her 23 competitions and won them all from all around. Uh, you know, you compare it to like Nadia Komichi, who we think is always the perfect 10 and her, her, not her accomplishments just dwarf Nadia's. Uh, just, it's amazing. I didn't realize when you put it all together and that's why she's missing that next Olympics. And this would have been her, you know, total culmination of a career, but I didn't realize how great she was sort of underappreciated in the general public. Yeah, I think it is because there's so little understanding of, um, gymnastics. And so, you know, Nadia Komanichi was obviously a great gymnast and, and they had the different scoring system. So you had the perfect tens, which sort of resonated, uh, and made the sport popular. Uh, where you don't you don't really have that in uh, currently, um, but not only does Simone win more against her contemporaries, the way she wins, uh, the degree of difficulty in her routines are are so far above what anyone else is attempting. It's almost impossible for her to lose. So she can she doesn't have to be perfect to win because what she's attempting is dramatically 
more advanced than our competition. And um, I think not a lot of people pay attention to gymnastics outside of the Olympics. And then one of the things I was on, uh, I've covered Olympic gymnastics uh, for you know, dating back to, I guess, Athens Olympics. Um, one of one of the issues with it is the way NBC um, televises it is they, they, they make it look like it's close. And there's drama when, in a lot of times, it's it's like this is already a thirty point blowout in a basketball game. Um, but the way they can kind of rig it to the common thing, it's like, oh my gosh, if she doesn't do well here on the floor exercise, she may not win the gold. And it's like she would literally have to quit in the middle of the floor <laughs> exercise to not win the gold. Um, she would have to fall on every single tumbling pass, and she still could probably win the gold. So a lot of it is the way it's kind of done and then the fact that – so I think everyone marvels at what she does and you see these leaps and you see these things, but what she's pulling off is her degrees of difficulty are just astronomically better than the others to the point where at the, even in uh, – and this would have been even crazier in 2020. She's even better than she was in 2016. But the other gymnasts literally said um, – I remember Allie Raceman and 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 uh, Lori Hernandez saying, you know, we're just shooting for silver. If you win silver, you've won gold because Simone's different. She's just she's off on her own. So all the rest of us are just trying to win silver. And if we can do that, then we feel like we've we've won gold. And these are the <laughs> this is the second, third, fourth best people in the world. Just a little like Usain Bolt was running. It was like I ain't beating them, so I'm just trying to do my personal best. And that's how good Simone Biles is. And so it's it's. Um, hopefully explain in there, but yeah, she hasn't lost in forever and she won't lose until, um, you know, until she hangs it up. And one of her advantages is she's not young. A lot of times, um, you need to be 16 years old because the way your body grows, uh, she's, she's grown. This is her body. And obviously she trains extremely hard, but she's, she has the frame naturally as a grown up that is perfect for gymnastics where often that is kind of limited by uh just turning 18 years old and uh or 17 years old so she she's a force of nature as long as she wants to go and what's amazing about simone is that you would think that okay when she was one year old she was tumbling and two years old she was this I mean, she grew up in a foster household, uh, bounced around between her mother and her grandparents. And then finally, until she was six years old, was actually just in a stable house with her grandparents raising her uh, from usually when you're six. I mean, they're, they're in gymnastics went like two and three. So it was just she didn't really she got a very late start as being a gymnast. She did. She has an incredible amount of natural ability that goes along with the, the, the training that she puts in now. But, yeah, her father. Um, who is was originally her grandfather, but it's now her father has adopted her. He would he he says he was you know he'd be in his living room watching football game and and Simone would come flying through the living room and use the um you know use the end table as a as a vault to pump off of and all these crazy things and he just remember being like this girl that we just adopted is so bouncy like we got to do something to um to just get the energy out and they had a trampoline and she'd be out there. But then one day during, um, school, uh, or whatever, you know, whatever it was, they went on a field trip to a gymnastics hall, uh, or the, the field trip they were going to go on got canceled because of the rain. I think they were going to like a zoo 
And so instead they scrambled and went to this gymnastics hall, and they're all in there, uh, the kids basically, and she could do a standing tuck uh, flip um, at six years old, at, which is extremely hard. Um, but, you know, you'll see literally like college gym, uh, college cheerleaders will do a flip, right? It's just your basic standing flip, but it's very difficult. And this gymnastics coach came over and goes, where do you train? And said, nowhere. My brother was there, too. I was just, this is just what I can do. And she said, wait, what? And she got her a flyer and said, bring this home to your mother and come back. And then she came back. And then in the first day of that class, the, uh, the you know, basically it's like a wreck gymnastics coach, tumbling, co- you know, just dealing with six-year-olds running around. And this other coach was far more uh, experienced, saw her across the way and was like, what the heck is this? And it was like, boom, your star is found. And so even then it took, you know, many, many years to get great. But there was a natural ability that just blew people away. Like there's no way this girl can do this without any training. And she could do it. But then she uh, she was training in this gym and, and it became when she was like 13 years old, her coach, uh, Coach Bannon, was sending her to uh, Marta Caroli, the famous uh, gymnast, the most famous gymnast coach with her husband, Bella. And Marta was like, ah, she's too old. Like she got this idea that she's really, she's not good enough. She, and she was strong on the floor and the vault, but not the uh, beam. There's four events, the beam and the, and the uh, uneven bars. And bars. Bars, bars right. she's not great at, yeah. And, and then not so. Not great being one of the top five in the world, but <laughs> not, yeah. yeah. But at that time, yeah, but at that time, but it's like, it's amazing is that even Marta Caroli could not see that this was going to become the greatest gymnast of all time. And, and that was only, you know, a few years ago. It was just, it's so. So her ability to just go from that at, at 13 to suddenly then become super is just amazing. Yeah, Simone is, Simone's personality is, is, not, is a little more fun-loving than um, sometimes is expected of a gymnast. Uh, the training is so rigorous and so time-consuming and so precise, and it can be, you know... Simone was one of them, but almost any elite gymnast becomes uh, homeschooled at some point. You basically train most of the day, and it's it's exhausting. And she just had not hit that mental level where she was ready to be as committed as some of the other uh, some of the other kids. So there were certain things she struggled with, but once that once she really committed to that, uh, you know, you, you had the perfect mix of of uh, just incredible. Uh, physical skill and then mental toughness and emotional toughness that that you need in gymnastics. It's just a very very difficult sport. Now, one of the benefits of not really hitting that until you know thirteen, fourteen years old, she was really inspired by the Olympics. Um, is she she didn't get burned out, you know, so she's still doing it. So you know, it it, it may have been a more healthy way of actually doing it. Now, one again, one of the problems is just physically development. You, you can often be better as a smaller, you just, too much size, too much height can really, uh, you know, really affect your, your ability to perform at that truly elite level. She didn't have that. So she had a little bit more of a, of a window, but uh, it took a while. It took a lot of battles with, with uh, the Corollis and a lot of heartbreak and a lot of frustration too. Uh, there, there's no such thing as a total natural in gymnastics. You cannot just roll out of bed 
and do it. And and even the great Simone Biles, who can roll out of bed and do it better than anyone else, <laughs> um, the story tells that. And I think that's important, and it's important on all of these epic athletes. Is we we spend a lot of time uh, in these books talking about what the what the athletes were like in middle school and in early high school, the the age group that would read these, and even like you know late elementary school because. You look and say, Simone Biles, that's incredible. But you say, oh, this is a kid who had, uh, you know, all sorts of family hurdles and struggled with confidence and didn't know what she wanted to do. Or you look at Stephen Curry and he's a, he's incredible. Well, when he was 13, he was too small. Uh, Serena Williams, right? Greatest female tennis player all time or something close. When she was 13, she was, your older sister is better than you. You'll never be as good as your older sister. Right? Very, very uh, common themes that any kid would hear. And so it's even for the great ones, it's not as simple, as simple as you would think as good as they became and as good as they were. Then those same doubts, confidence, motivations, family pressures, all the different things that go into it. And then how do they overcome it? Uh, how do they overcome family issues or divorces or, you know, they lean on their faith. Do they lean on their older brother? What, is it one coach? What is it? And so we try to really focus on that time. And I think that's one of the reasons it connects so well with the audience, because that's what these kids are going through at that time. Uh, they're not just looking. They don't want to just read about how great Simone Biles is, but how'd she get so great? And you mentioned in the book how you talked earlier about how she's doing routines now that are at such a high level. It's ridiculous. I mean, she's attempting things. Everything is named after her. You said if someone does the first one to do a routine, it's named after them. And she now has like everything named after her because she's so advanced. But when she was in, when she was struggling in 2011, she didn't want to, she took the, she was too afraid to do the more advanced routine. She always took the easier one. So her degree of difficulty was so low. So it's so interesting to see that, uh, that she was able to go from having this low degree of difficulty to have by far the highest degree of difficulty ever as a, as an athlete. Right. And that's just, that's confidence and that's um, putting in the work so that you feel confident and that can trans translate into anything, right? That can be academics. That can be if you're in a play or that means talking to people because you're shy, all the different things. Um, you know, it, it's, it, she, she had the ability. She wasn't capitalizing on it. She wasn't, you know, embracing it. And once she did, she became incredible. So again, there's so many lessons you can learn from these athletes that really have nothing even to do with, with the gymnastics. I mean, no one reading the book, presumably, uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe there's another, there's going to be another Simone Biles out there, but um, you know, virtually no one reading the book is going to be an elite gymnast. They may not even do gymnastics, but there's a lot for anybody to learn from that and saying, geez, once Simone Biles believed in herself, she became Simone Biles. Right. I mean, and even even her age was wrong because she was 15 at the 2012 Olympics. So she couldn't even she had to be 16. So she actually had to sit out there. She's only had like one run of the Olympics. She potentially could have had two. This could be her third Olympics if if it worked out perfectly in terms of her timing. But that still didn't. You know, she just went on to the world championships and just started dominating in 2013. Yeah, it's one of the cruel ironies of gymnastics is the timing is everything. So, again, the, the, the generally the peak years. 16 or 17 years old is what you want to be. If you look at back at your, your all around champions, uh, they're almost always that age right in there. And so obviously if you are 15 and nine months at one Olympics and 19 and nine months at the next Olympics, you can miss that and you can win world championships, but far less people pay attention, let alone the sponsors and all of those things. 
that can make you a million. So uh, gymnastics and figure skating are very, very cool sports. We're talking to Dan Wetzel, national columnist for Yahoo Sports on Ira on Sports. Um, and he has a series of books. And this last latest one is Simone Biles. Uh, you can order on Amazon uh, and Kindle and everything. But you can, he has books on Brady and Messi and, uh, and LeBron James and Steph Curry. I mean, really get all the books. I mean, you should really get every single one of the books and have your kids read them and read them, read along with the kids when they're reading it. Um, you talk about Simone in the 2016 Olympics. And what I was shocked is, and you see it on TV and you think it's fake. You know, it's like she's competing with Allie Raisman and she's going for one and Allie's. But they they really worked well to get like they really support each other. And, and you really and you spent time in the book saying that they were their best cheerleaders and it, and it wasn't fake and it was true. And I was just shocked when they because you are a team. You do compete in the team. But then you have all the other you have the all around and the four other events where you're individuals. And you mentioned how they you know, she was such a supportive teammate, but their teammates loved her, too. Yeah, I think part of what Simone is that they know she's better. Um, there is definitely, I mean, it's, it's okay. I'd like to win the gold, but I can't do what she's doing. And again, it, some of this is at the start, your start line. You just can't do the same maneuvers. Um, in gymnastics, there's often these teams, uh, they come together. They want to win the gold as a team. Uh, you know, even if on the team, you don't always compete against each other, but in that battle, in those, those six months that lead into who who's going to get a chance to compete in the all around. Because one thing about uh, the way they have it, first off, next time there's only four people on the Olympic team. Right now, they're, they're in the past there's been five. So you're talking about the entire country, all the people competing, and there's only four spots. So it is a cutthroat battle to do that. I mean, even the the Olympic basketball dream team's got you know 13, 15 people on it. Um, so you're talking four and one of them's already taken. So there's three. So there's a fight to get on. And then they decide you can only put two of your team into the all-around, which is what everybody wants to do. And literally uh, the top three gymnasts in the world last time were were all Americans. Lori Hernandez, Ali Raceman, and, and Simone Biles. They would have got one, two, three. Lori Hernandez got left out. So um, it was just Raceman and, and Biles. So there are some battles on that. But I do think Simone kind of – transcends that because there isn't really uh who's better who's better it's okay she's the best um and she's she i don't know she just has a way of caring so much about the others she has a way of being very unfocused until it's time to be focused uh and i think that helps with her when you when you talk to her their teammates it's like she's the one goofing around at the the olympic village um and way more relaxed and they're sitting there going my god you you know you're competing for a gold medal tomorrow why why aren't you real? You know, because she was up for so many events. She was. It was a grind of almost two straight weeks of, you know, incredible mental and physical focus. And yet she's out there having as much fun as anybody uh, when they're just lounging around back at the at the athlete village. And then in 2018 and 19, you're talking about how she's now taken to the Usain Bolt type of level in that. Not only is she winning the all-around competitions, but she's winning gold in almost every other event, so which is shocking. And, and so she's setting himself out perfectly. She for the Olympics this year, she would have, you know, how many golds could she have won? I mean, it could have been five, could have been six almost. So it was just uh, the, the max you can win is six. You can win team all-around, and then there are four individual events. Uh, so uh, the most that's ever been won is four. Um, you know, can she get to five? Obviously, all around, all around, and team the U.S. She should win, and the U.S. will win. Uh, you know, now we're now a year away, so we'll see. But 
those are kind of almost locked down. And then it's how many individual events can you do and, and win? Uh, she is weaker on bars than the other. So it's hard to say if she could get the six, uh, five would be incredible, but obviously six would be the ultimate goal. You just walk into the Olympics and I just took you all out. Um, I think that if, if, we will see where we're at in a year and whether that's even feasible, whether she would get that opportunity. But I do think that would be a very, very compelling thing for people to watch in 2021 if they have the Olympics um, to see, boy, here's something that no one has literally ever done, just a, a clean sweep of everything. And, I, you know, you never say never. There's going to be another. But, boy, it's going to take a while before someone else could even contemplate uh, trying to win every single discipline and then team and all obviously all around. And then your next book is on Patrick Mahomes, another one person who is <laughs> transcending what we thought could be accomplished in the quarterback position. So I'm, I'm sure I think that book they said is coming out in the fall. So that'd be a great book to, to read coming up. Patrick's a lot of fun and um, he's an interesting, uh, uh, just a brilliant athlete. Uh, he was uh, he, he was drafted as a baseball player, was a great baseball hitter and pitcher, uh, was a terrific basketball player. Um, a lot of people think that was his best sport. His issue, he could have played college basketball. His problem is his height uh, in terms of the NFL. And a lot of people thought, certainly growing up, I mean, he, could, he can drive a golf ball 300 yards. He can, you know, horseshoe, whatever you're doing. Patrick Mahomes can probably do it better than you. Um, uh, but he ended up playing football, obviously, and and it, but wasn't wasn't the elite recruit. I mean, he went to like Texas Tech, and he wasn't the number one draft pick. But he's almost the the epitome of the multi sport uh, star, which is is a fleeting thing. Um, you know, where it's specialization and specialization. This is a guy who played three different sports in high school. Actually, did four because he'd run track sometimes. Just your natural, pure athlete. And at the end, he's finally focused on football when he got to college. Now, it's hard to be that good of an athlete and get college scholarships without doing that, but just an incredible thing. But if you watch him play football, you can almost see it. Some of his most famous plays are, are where he looks like a point guard out in the field and he's shaking around someone and, and, and hitting an open receiver or the arm strength to be able to throw you know, at all different angles that you get from, from baseball or just the will to compete. A uh, really fascinating story about Patrick Mahomes and, a, and a, just a terrific, uh, terrific young man. And Dan, one last question. While we have here considered one of the top college football experts in the country, any feeling in terms of where we're going with college football this year? I mean, we're down here in Florida in West Palm Beach, and it's certainly very popular, but it, it's looking very doubtful. But uh, I just was wondering if it, what's, your, what's your sense of the college, the college football season coming up? Well, yeah, I talked to a lot of athletic directors and, and, and conference commissioners and stuff. There's definitely a lot of apprehension. Um, nobody really knows. I think, you know, can you have college if they don't open the colleges in the fall? You know, can you have, you, are you going to play with no fans? Uh, different things that go on. There's just so many unknowns with this, with this virus. We also don't know what progress we would make in treatments and, and, and things like that in the next two months, right? We have almost everybody in the world working on this. Um, do we come up with something that, that, that weakens or, you know, or improves the, the attack against it? So there's so many variables up and down. But if, if, not, if there aren't great improvements, I think the college football season is, is definitely in a lot of, a lot of trouble. Um, of all the sports you would try to run during this pandemic, 
college football is probably the hardest. There's 120 teams spread out all over the country, huge rosters, huge staffs, um, a million different viewpoints on how important the game is, and you have essentially unpaid labor. Uh, there's no players' union or something like that. Like you can play, you could probably figure out how to play a golf tournament. You, you separate them. You could play a an NBA game maybe, and in, in a in a sterile gym, and you protect everyone, and guys are making millions of dollars, and they won't take that risk. How do you do college football? Right. Uh, it's just a total. What we love about it is it's a total free for all. Uh, that doesn't really work when you're trying to fight something like this. So it's it's definitely a perilous time for for the 2020 college football season, but. There is a lot of room still for progress that could could change the scope of it pretty quickly. So we'll see. Well, thank you. I, Dan, I really appreciate you coming on. It's Dan Wetzel, the national columnist for, for Yahoo Sports and who has the Epic Athlete series of books. This last one is on Simone Biles. So, Dan, thanks a lot for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you.